0: Amen. If you would stand, let's sing the doxology together, and thanks to God. Please be seated. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 125. As Larry alluded to, we're making our way through the Psalms of Ascent. Those are Psalms 120 through 134. And this morning we're in Psalm 125, a song of security. This is God's Word. A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning again. We thank you for the privilege to worship you, to sing praises, to pray, to confess, to be assured of our forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And now we come to your word, to the preaching of your word, and we ask that you would Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to see glorious things from your law, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our world, I don't know if you think about this very much, but our world revolves around security. So much of our world revolves around security from padlocks to bank vaults to metal detectors and x-ray machines to uh, your passwords too weak you need one capital letter one special character and one number uh, this is going to take two-factor auth- authentication uh... prove you're not a robot and uh, you need to uh... click all the all the boxes that have traffic lights wait is that a traffic light um, try again maybe maybe i am a robot um, And even back to your childhood, when you had that fort in the woods behind your house, you and your friends said, what's the password? And so you'd say Viper 3, and they'd let you in. We all want security. Beyond uh, wondering if our credit card has been uh, hacked or if we forgot to lock the back door, We all want security, as the Jan Karen book title puts it so so well, we want to know that we're somewhere safe with somebody good. But here's the thing, life is full of risky, dangerous things. There are plenty of unknowns in this world. There are threats and hurdles and challenges and curveballs. Last week, we talked about how we've all felt at times like the floodwaters were going to wash us away in life. We've been paralyzed by fear. We've been at the end of our ropes and thought there's no way out and no way up. And one of the challenges in life is that we're tempted to look for security in the wrong things. I have enough money in my bank account, so I'm set. This job, this person, this substance, this experience, this power, pleasure, control, escape, will bring me the security that I so desperately want and desire. And it's, it's pyrite, it's fool's gold, it's fake Psalm 125 is a song of security. It's a song, as you know, that God's people would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem to worship the true and living God, and it's a psalm that plays powerfully in our world and our lives now. What is the message of Psalm 125? God, Yahweh, is our security and strength in a topsy-turvy world. When it feels like you've been through the spin cycle in life, God is your rock and fortress and strong tower. God is our deliverer and redeemer and defender. Psalm 118 says it like this, The stone that the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and it is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Jesus said it this way, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, be of good courage, I have overcome the world. So I want us to look at three things this morning. Promise, protection, and prayer. That's how the psalm unfolds. And we begin in verses 1 through 2 about promise. And I want to begin by saying there's a difference between security and safety. In God's kingdom, for God's people, there's a difference between security and safety. God doesn't guarantee us safety. You remember the uh, dialogue in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe between Mr. Beaver and and Susan. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. The life of faith doesn't mean we are insulated from pain and opposition and loss and disappointment and risk. In fact, the opposite is actually true. God's mission of carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth comes with a warning label. You will be hated by all on account of me. You will be misunderstood. You will be alienated for believing in me. Jesus calls us to love courageously, to obey, to be generous and hospitable, to share with others, to open our lives and our hearts and our homes to other people, and that's not always safe. God doesn't promise us, guarantee us safety, but God absolutely promises and guarantees us security. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Jesus said it this way in John 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And in John 6, Jesus said, All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Brothers and sisters, Jesus promises us security and not safety. Psalm 125 gives us a glimpse of that. Let's see how this unfolds. We begin with the question, who? Those who trust in the Lord. Alex talked about this a couple weeks ago from Psalm 123. God's promises are made, they're experienced in community. This psalm is written in the third person. We, they, us, those Brothers and sisters, we sing our song together. We have a shared experience with shared promises and shared worship. And it's so deeply important that we never forget that. That we ne- we're in this together. We need each other. And this weekly act of worship and the fellowship of brothers and sisters is so deeply important. Being part of a church community is not about what you get. It's also about what you give, and even if you think you have nothing to give, you being here communicates to your sisters and brothers that we are in this together. Those who trust in the Lord. Trust is a great word to help us understand what faith is all about. It's not just acknowledging that something exists. It's not just agreeing in principle. I'll give you an example. My sister is uh, working on her private pilot's license. And I'm proud of her and happy for her. And when she gets the license, I can say, good job, Kim. Way to go. And then she can say, hey, come get in the plane with me. (laughs) I don't know about that. That would be entrusting myself to her. And so trust, those who trust in the Lord are those who rely on the Lord and rest in the Lord and lean on the Lord. Those who trust in Yahweh, verse 1 says. And we know that Yahweh is a covenant name of God, the personal name of God. Uh, Not this general God if you're out there. This is God's promise-filled name. The Lord, the Lord God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. I am who I am. That's who. Those who trust in the Lord. But what? What is it that those who trust in the Lord are promised? What do they get? Well, Psalm 125 gives us some sacred similes, comparisons. You remember from high school English, comparisons using like or as to help us understand things. You see, God knows that we need help to understand what His promises are like. We need images, we need pictures, we need ideas. And so He begins in verse one. B, to say that those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. This would have meant so much to pilgrims as they made their way up to Jerusalem, as they made their ascent to the Mount Mount, Jerusalem, Mount Zion and Jerusalem, and it reminded them not so much of the greatness of the city, but of God's greatness and he, that he's eternal and immovable and his presence and his faithfulness and his promises is, we hear echoes of Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord we get a glimpse on clear days when we're driving downtown on 385 we get a glimpse of table rock in the distance and that gives us an idea of that there is something that is a rock, it's a mainstay. And that's a glimpse of what they experienced when they saw Mount Zion, Jerusalem. There's God's faithfulness. Those who trust in the Lord are are like Mount Zion. That means those who trust in Yahweh will not be shaken. They're steady, stable, immovable, secure. As the hymn writer said, God is a rock that stands forever. You may be thinking to yourself, but I don't feel immovable. I don't feel secure. I don't feel like a mountain that abides forever. I can barely make it through the day, let alone abide forever. As the psalm unfolds, we get more of God's promise. He begins with like, and then in 125 verse 2, we see another simile as. It's a word that we can forget, but it's one that means a lot to us, and God uses it so much. As the deer pants to the water, so my soul longs for you. As far as the east is from the west, so far does the Lord remove our trespasses from us. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. This is where having an idea of the geography of Jerusalem helps us. Mount Zion wasn't just a mountain all by itself, but Jerusalem was a city on a hill but it was surrounded by other mountains. And these other mountains helped protect Israel and Jerusalem. It helped protect the city not only from storms, but from enemy invaders. And as these pilgrims would travel up these mountains, they would would summit one, and then they would see, there is where I'm going. There is Jerusalem, Mount Zion, a powerful picture of God's presence So, in this way, it's God's way of telling us, listen up. The Lord surrounds His people. You ever seen the nature shows where the wildebeest or the water buffalo or the elephants, they surround their young. They surround those that are vulnerable. Or, you think about the Secret Service, their charge is to protect and surround that person that they are taken care of. Brothers and sisters who trust in the Lord, God surrounds us. God surrounds us. He protects us. He keeps us. How long? From this time forth, verse 2, and forever. Not right now, or not um, maybe, maybe someday, one day when I get it all figured out. If you feel absolutely unstable and vulnerable, even if you feel unworthy or overwhelmed or sidelined or disqualified, if you are resting in Jesus Christ, the Lord surrounds you. He surrounds his people. The Lord who made heaven and earth surrounds us, even in death. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. God surrounds us like the mountains surround Jerusalem. You remember the Shekinah glory of God that was represented in a, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. As God was leading his people out of Egypt, out of bondage, they followed him. They followed that pillar of of fire and that pillar of cloud. And then when they got to the Red Sea and the Egyptian armies were coming in fast, this is what God's word says, Exodus fourteen, nineteen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them in between the armies of Egypt and God's people. It's a picture that God surrounds His people like the mountains surround Jerusalem. So brothers and sisters, how do you need to believe this promise in your life that God surrounds us? and protects us and he's our security how do you need to believe this promise in your family how do you need to believe this promise in your personal life or in your work life or in your friendships or your relationships psalm psalm 61 says it this way hear my cry O god and listen to my prayer lead me to the rock that is higher than i For you have been my refuge and my strong tower. That's a promise. God is our strength and security. And that strength and security does not depend on us having awesome faith. It doesn't doesn't rest on the fact that we have more faith than other people. Those who trust in the Lord, it rests and relies and turns on God and His faithfulness and His power. So whether you feel strong in your faith or weak in your faith, if you are trusting in the Lord, He surrounds you, and He will make you like Mount Zion. Psalm 125 reminds us that are not only promises from God, but those promises impact our practice. Look at me at verse 3, and I want to think about our practice or how we live as we think about this idea of the scepter of wickedness. What is a scepter? A scepter is something that, that represents the rule and reign of a king. We actually have something like this in the state of South Carolina. We have this mace that's like 300 years old, that when the House of Representatives meets, they bring in this mace and they set it out when house is in session. And so it's the same idea. It represents the rule, the authority, the reign of of a body or of a king. And so when we read that the rule and reign, the scepter of wickedness in verse 3, shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, the message is this, evil... And wickedness has an expiration date in this world. At the reign and rule of wickedness. And it feels like wickedness reigns and rules so often in our lives. And there were times in, in the life of the people of Israel. Where there were wicked kings and wicked leaders. And it feels like. They're running the show. They're in control. But Psalm 125 reminds us that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest. It shall not rule forever on the land of allotted for the righteous, for God's people. Psalm 30 says it this way, Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Our song of security, brothers and sisters, is rooted in God's promise, and that should protect us And shape the way we see the world. We will face hard things. We do face hard things. Keep going. Have faith. Rest in God's promises. Remember, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And notice what the second part of verse 3 says lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. Hold on to God's promises. Don't throw in the towel. Let God's promises shape your practice. And don't say, well, if you can't beat them, join them. This is just the way you have to live in this world. It's the way we get by. Now, the scepter of wickedness shall not rule. It shall not rest and reign, lest God's people do evil. We have to keep living for Jesus Christ. Keep fighting sin in this world and in ourselves. Since you belong to God, remember suffering and sin have an expiration date and that means that the rule and reign of Christ in you should shape the way his promises should shape the way that we deal with other people the deal we the way we deal with one another the way we deal with our neighbors the way we deal with our enemies the way we deal with the waiter or waitress at a restaurant the way we fill out our taxes, the way we write contracts in our business. Let not the rule and reign of, of wickedness, the scepter of, of wickedness rest. Are there areas in your life where your witness is not consistent with God's rule and reign? It's not in line with the gospel. And then personally, this is a call to let our practice be shaped by God's promises. Remember Paul's powerful words from Romans chapter 6. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So we have God's promise that He's with us, that He provides us security, and that impacts our practice. It means that we can live by faith, we can walk by faith, and we can put sin to death in our lives and in our community and then the third thing we see from this passage is prayer. Psalm 125 verses 4 and 5 our song as a song of security unfolds we see God's promises not only shape our practice but they shape our prayers. It leads us to humbly pour out our hearts to God. Reading Psalm 125 and remember that it's a song of security doesn't Make us live self-reliant lives. I've got this. I've got it figured out. No, it drives us to humble prayer and and reliance upon God. And what is the prayer? The, it begins in verse four: "Do good, O Lord, to those who are good." And at first read, this might sound a little self-righteous. God, do good to the good people like me, Uh, but that's really not what this psalm is saying. It's not a a prayer of self-righteousness. It's a prayer in humility. God, take care of your people. God, do good to your people. It's really the same idea that we see in the Lord's prayer. God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, and that means that we can pour out our hearts to God in prayer. And as we see God's promises, it should shape the way we pray. And this prayer for God to do good to us and for us to and for us doesn't mean getting everything we want when we want it, how we want it. It's trusting in God. You know, the beginning of Psalm of Romans 8 28. For we know. It's almost like a, a reminder. We could say to each other, For we know, right? We know this. We know that God works everything for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But God's with us. I love these lyrics from a David Ramirez song called Find the Light. I wish upon you peace. I wish upon you grace. I wish for less of what you want and more of what you need. First part of prayer is God accomplish your purposes. Do good to your children. Give us exactly what you know that we need and help us to trust you in the process. We see also in verse 5, Lead them away. Notice what it says those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away evildoers. Not kicking and screaming, not against their will. This gives us a glimpse of nature and core identity that they're dead in their trespasses and sins. We as human beings sin because we're sinners. Christians still struggle with sin. We're simultaneously sinners and saints, but our core identity ultimately is about abiding in Jesus Christ. He's our redemption, our hope. Psalm twenty one twenty five simply says, "The Lord will lead astray, lead away, evildoers. God will deal with those who are against Him." And this is really, this is a a call and a challenge and a warning for unbelievers and a motivation for us to share the love of Christ with people who don't know it and haven't heard it because folks are on borrowed time. And the last part, bring peace. At the end of verse 5, peace be upon Israel. Bring peace, shalom to your church. Isn't this the ultimate goal And prayer, because of your promises, because of who you are and what you've done, I want my life to be shaped by your promises, and I want this prayer that you would bring peace upon your church, peace upon your people, so that we can worship and glorify you, so we can fulfill your mission, so we can love God and love neighbor, experience your promises. We saw a glimpse of this from Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Galatians 6 reminds us that this is about the church. And for all who walk by these rules, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God in Galatians 6 is God's church. And this prayer for shalom, wholeness for the church, isn't necessarily that the church would be giant or that there would never be conflict or that we would live by the path of least resistance, but it's that we would be whole. Remember, shalom is about wholeness. That we would be whole, loving, forgiving, serving, repenting, teaching, rebuking, training, reaching out, caring for the needs of others. Oh God, bring peace, bring shalom to your people and to us, your people. This is God's song of security. Where, and how, and in what circumstances, do you need to be reminded this morning that your security is in Christ? If your security isn't in the Lord, if you're not resting in Christ, there's nowhere else to go, there's nowhere else for safety. I think I've used this illustration before, but it fits so well here. My friend Michael Gordon talks about going deer hunting with his dad when he was a little boy. And uh, his dad would climb up into the deer stand and get everything up there. And he he would tie a rope around Michael. And he would carry the loose end of the rope up into the deer stand. And he wouldn't actually only tie the rope kind of around his waist. He would make this rope into essentially a harness for his son. And then after he got settled up in the in the tree, he would say, "Son, you ready? Hold on tight." And then he would pull his son up into the stand. Michael said for years he was sure, he was confident, he knew that uh He had to hold on to that rope as hard as he could because that was what would keep him from falling. And then he realized that wasn't the main thing. He was secure in his father's loving care and strong arms. Brothers and sisters, hold on. Cling God through the best days and the darkest days and remember that your security revolves around this reality God is holding you God is our strength and our song we sing this song of security because of him Let's pray. God, we rejoice in your promises, and we admit that we doubt our security and standing and resting in you at times. Would you help us to believe your promises, and would it shape the way we live and how we pray? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our